Welcome in. It's a special edition of the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. And if it's a special edition, you know that generally means we have a special guest host joined by none other than Justin Williams from The Athletic. Justin, hi. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Chad. As always, I appreciate you uh, you having me on. And our, our actual special guest today <laughs> is none other than University of Cincinnati Athletic Director John Cunningham. John, appreciate you taking some time out of a uh, very busy Monday to, uh, to chat with us. Absolutely, Chad. Good to be on with you guys. So uh, we bumped into each other after the game and, and had a fun conversation. Um, it's not very often an athletic director job comes available where you walk into a situation uh, like you have been able to walk into. How, how fun has this been for the start, you know, the first half of a season getting to watch uh, Luke Fickle and how he operates and, and runs his team. And uh, it's got to feel pretty fortunate that, you know, you, you're not coming into something where you had to rebuild everything where it was, you know, a lot of stuff was already in place. Oh, it's a, it's an absolute dream position for an AD, especially a brand new AD uh, to walk in and have somebody like Luke leading a program. He's instilled his culture. It, it, it's throughout the program. Um, he's got that defense clicking just so much fun to watch how, how aggressive they are. Um, everybody's buying in and, you know, I'm, I'm along for the ride just like everybody else, but um, it's certainly fun to see it. What have you been able to, to take from Luke and, and getting to meet him and get to know him so far? Is there anything that really uh, he's pretty, uh, pretty much an open book, but is there anything that's kind of taken you by surprise as you've gotten to know his personality and, and the way he runs the program? No, I, I agree. I think he is really open and that's, that's something you don't always see. Um, you know, my, my conversations with him are always very straightforward. Um, he does not beat around the bush, which I, I like, I appreciate. And um, we're able to communicate that way really well. But uh, you know, I think for him, it's, it's all about just making sure that, that he has that team mentality amongst his group and they're all working together. And he certainly views um, views his group in terms of just having, making sure that everybody's working together and individuals don't play well, I don't think necessarily with him. So that's, that's one thing I've learned. Um, he's got, you know, his 120 guys clicking and all working together toward one goal, which is exactly what you need in college football. So obviously you've had plenty of unexpected things uh, that you've had to navigate your, your first year in the job, but outside of, of everything with the, the pandemic and, and anything tied to that, is there anything that has surprised you about the, the program in general or, or the fan base that you didn't necessarily understand until you've now been in this position for, for a few months? Yeah, I'll, I'll switch the basketball real quick. The, the fervor around, the Xavier game and Crosstown shootout is something that I, you know, I, I, I understood it from, from a distance. I didn't understand it from an AD chair. So that, that's been um, enlightening and exciting. Uh, but, but also I think just in general, how much people really pay attention to Bearcat athletics. Um, you know, I'm, I have people contacting me all the time and just really excited about where our football program's at, where our basketball programs, both men's and women's are going and, and other sports. So, um, you know, certainly you, you always question that when you walk into a situation where you're in a, a town with pro sports, but um, there's a lot of Bearcat support in this town and, and surrounding areas. And so that's been great to see. 
Yeah. So obviously tied to that is, you know, this discussion about, you know, fans being able to uh, attend different stadium for games, uh, you and the department made the decision for at least for the rest of the the regular season that that there wouldn't be any you you released a statement but it, you know what went into that decision obviously from the start of the year and and then now through these these final three home games that you just felt like solidified it, it was not a, a tenable situation yeah so we were we were ready to have fans and from the from early on in this, all the way back in you know April, we were putting together plans to have fans, and it started with a certain percentage, and then it got a little bit smaller. Um, we worked with the county; we had everything in place, and a lot of I, I want to point out the hard work that our staff has put into a lot of plans that will never see the light of day, um, because it's not easy to take a stadium and, and make it fit for social distancing and think through all the different things from concessions to security lines to, to bathroom lines and everything like that. So I, I just want to point that out because um, they, they did a really remarkable job and had a, several different iterations of that going in. But as we always talked about, the, the virus is going to dictate what we ultimately did. We're in a unique situation as a college campus. We are different than a pro sports uh, facility where you, you park, you go into a facility, watch the game and leave. I mean, we are, we are tucked in here into a campus with 5,500 students that are on campus right now. Um, and I think that as we kept watching it, you know, we were hoping for um, the virus to subside a bit so that we could have some fans. And it obviously didn't go that way. It went the other way. You know, we, we, we all saw Hamilton County and the number of cases in this county and it wasn't just our student population, which is really, really important. We've got to keep that, that population safe, but it's also all the other individuals that are tied to our university from the janitors to the professors, to everybody that works in and around this, uh, this campus of, you know, that becomes almost a small city in and of itself. So uh, we just felt a real obligation to make sure that we protected everybody on campus we also felt the obligation to uh, this community that we weren't going to be the cause of additional spread of this of this really difficult virus. So that's what went into it. Um, we have a lot of doctors and, and individuals on this campus that are doing really good work and, and really have a beat on what's going on. And they certainly had a say in, in the decision, um, but it, it's not what we want, but it's where we ended up. John, you mentioned the, the 5,700 students that are that are on campus right now. Was there ever any talk about the ability to allow those students that are that are already kind of in that campus bubble into the games? And um, where did those conversations go if there were any? So that was one of the iterations that we had was um, a concept where we would allow students in um, to the games. And again, that, that was one where we, we felt really good about all the plans that we had in place, we felt good about where we were going. Uh, but again, the spike just didn't allow for it. And, and you know, I, I really believe that if, if this would have gone a slightly different way with the spike in the virus, um, that we'd be in a different situation. I believe that if, if we would have been playing games after our students left, because they're all leaving for Thanksgiving break and not coming back till January, um, I think that if that would have happened, then we'd be in a different situation. So um, it was just a matter of, of kind of bad timing with the spike going on when we were trying to trying to get some plans in place. There was uh, an, uh, the decision to allow uh, band members, dance team and cheer to have their uh, parents attend the game this weekend. 
Uh, and also uh, you opened it up to student athletes for the other sports who have been going through uh, regular COVID testing. Um, what went behind that decision? And did you get some of that desired effect? Because it did feel like a change in what we saw from the first couple games in the atmosphere in terms of there were, you know, at least some extra people there to, to give it a little environment and to give the players uh, maybe a little bit of a, a reward for the type of season they're having. Yeah, that, that was exactly where, where my mind was. Um, it's a delicate balance, obviously, but uh, we, we had been contacted by a number of parents of our band members um, just asking if they, if they could be there to watch their, their student perform. Um, and so that was, that was something that we wanted to open up. We've already allowed student, uh, the families of our student athletes. And so it was kind of an easy transition there. And uh, the other thing that we did is we expanded the band. So the band previously had, you know, 150. It was considered kind of a pet, pet band, a large pet band. Uh, but the, it, it um, has 250 students that are involved in it. I think that's the right number. And so we allowed all of them to come in. And they sounded just spectacular, I thought, on Saturday. And that makes a big, big difference. And then the easiest one for me was to go uh, to the president and ask for our student athletes to be a part of this. You know, our student athletes are, are tested often. Uh, they're working out together in pods. We made sure that they stayed in their pods during the game. And, and we had uh, staff members and coaches that had to be with each team. So that was just a reward. I felt like that was important for them. They're, they're putting in so much work to uh, stay away from the virus and do the right things that I, I felt like they deserved that, that opportunity. And it added a little bit of um, extra juice there uh, to the game. So that, that, that was a deli delicate balance, try to increase the atmosphere as much as we can, but then also just, you know, still within the bounds of, of um, where we're at with the virus. You're in an admittedly tough position, obviously, with all this. And, you know, Coach Fickle's not usually one to kind of guard his his thoughts on things. He's talked about the desire to have fans in the stadium. And, you know, I think that's coming from for wanting that for his players. And his players have talked about wanting to have that atmosphere. So you who are in a position where you have to make these tough decisions, how do you navigate something like this? Where obviously your student athletes and coaches want to try and have fans if possible. But, but you know you have to make a decision based on a whole lot of other factors. Yeah, I, I would expect him to uh, want fans. I, you know, I, I respect that. You know, as a coach, he, he certainly wants what's best for his players, and, and he wants to recognize the fact that they're playing so well and every game is so important. Um, so I, I had no issues at all um, with him wanting fans, and so that's kind of where I, I sat down with him and, and those things that we just talked about, we kind of worked through, hey, maybe we can do a few things to try to add some atmosphere. Um, so we, we had that conversation. But yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard because I, I know our, our students deserve as much uh, support as we can possibly give them. And so we just need to continue to find ways to do that. And, um, you know, I encourage our, our fans to uh, reach out. We've got a virtual sellout uh, that, we're, that we put out there where you can buy um, a, a virtual ticket. You get a, a ticket to the game. It's kind of com a commemorative piece that you can keep. And I think it just shows our, our, student athletes that although you can't be a nipper, you still support them right now more than ever. Um, you know, we tried to use some social engagement during the game to show people watching the games from their house. Um, and you know, those things are just really important. Our, our student athletes see it and feel it. So we need to continue to support them that way. 
uh, it was obviously going to be a, a road game, but what impact, if any, did having that Tulsa game postponed have on on decisions and talks about the having fans in Nippert? It's certainly something that we need to be paying attention to. Um, we've said from the beginning that part of part of our success this year, a metric of our success, is how well we're going to how well we keep the virus away from the team, because that's that's going to be the the key as we in this season is to keep playing. That's the number one thing. Um, so I, I think that it did play into our conversations. You know, we, we recognized that we had, we had a, a little bit of an outbreak amongst our team. And so we certainly want to, uh, make sure that they're safe. I do think our conference has done a really nice job of keeping a bubble on the field and the way we test really prevents the virus from getting onto the field as much as you possibly can. And so I, I feel really, really pretty good about when our student athletes are out there that we don't have virus spreading on the field, but, um, yeah, it, it was a factor. From your chair, can you take us through how impressed you've been with guys like Bob Mangine and Aaron Hemler uh, and, and what they've been able to do in terms of trying to keep the athletes safe and uh, taking the best preventative measures they can? I, I, I don't think I'm alone in thinking you, you have one of the, the best medical staffs uh, in the country, and that's got to be a great asset going through all this. I've said that from day one, I would add our doctors across the board are, are remarkable as well. So in addition to Aaron Hemler and, and Bob Mangine, uh, Dr. Devine specifically and, and other doctors, um, Angelo Colosimo and, and others, um, they, they've just been on top of it from day one. They've really, you know, from Bob Mangine's standpoint, he's been in this game a long time as an athletic trainer and he's seen a lot. He's never seen anything like this. And for him to just be able to just on a dime kind of, flip the way that he does business and take this thing on. And, you know, it, it's the strangest thing to walk in to the training room. Actually, we do it in fifth third arena and, and to see them in, in full hazmat suits doing the nasal swabs. And it's just become something that we're, we all are accustomed to now. And um, to think that that didn't exist, you know, eight months ago, it's, it's amazing what we've been able to do and how we've been able to attack it. We were one of the first schools, I, I believe to, to bring some of the testing in-house. We got some antigen test units. Um, so we were able to bring those in-house and we had our CFO, Nick Bowes, that really quickly started to negotiate for um, some testing units before other people, I think, jumped on that, that train. Now everybody else is doing it. So we, we really looked at this as an opportunity to be a leader in this space. And, and certainly everything that Bob and Aaron and others have done have, have shown that to be the case. You mentioned Fifth Third Arena. Uh, the basketball season is, well, I don't know, what, three and a half weeks away. <laughs> uh, how, how difficult has this entire process been? We, we don't have uh, an out-of-conference schedule yet because that, those things have been um, rather delicate to, to accomplish so far. Uh, from, from an AD position, are, you, are we ready for basketball? Like, uh, I know John and, and the team are getting there, but – uh, as a university, are we ready to get the basketball train rolling right now? Or how far we are to, we from? Yeah, yeah, we, we have to be. Um, I, I think within the week we'll have the schedule figured out finally. We're, you know, obviously we're not alone, everybody. It's been, it's been absolutely wild out there in terms of basketball scheduling um, as things have, have fallen, fallen apart and then other things have popped up. And, and so um, I think by the end of this week, we'll have that figured out. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be ready just like everything else. It's, there's going to be challenges associated with basketball. There'll be new challenges that we don't see necessarily in football because you're bringing things inside. 
there's more direct interaction and physical interaction uh, amongst the team. So, so keeping the virus away again is just is going to be as important or more important in basketball, uh, both men's and women's. So, it'll be it'll be a strange season, just like football was. Um, I really am hopeful that as the season progresses, you know, things change in terms of how we test. Um, things change in terms of you know, where the virus is at and, and vaccines and, and some of those types of things. I think by, you know, February, we may be in a totally different situation and that sets up well for a, a really great basketball tournament, which is obviously the number one thing that we have to have. We have to get that NCAA basketball tournament in this year after not having it last year. Uh, so that's, that's going to be the goal for the, for the year. What has this experience been like for you personally? You know, you have uh... – the basketball season ends really well or was on, on track to end really well last season that gets cut short. You have a top 10 football team, you know, you're in your first year as an AD and obviously you don't have to deal with any of this stuff, but just from someone that, that cares about the experience and, and the progress of, of these uh, athletic teams, what's it been like for you, you know, watching in an empty stadium mostly and, and kind of having to navigate all these different things. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. I mean, I, I told my wife the other day that every time I walk into fifth third, it, it just kind of, there's a little tinge of sadness. Cause I just, I remember I wasn't here obviously for Nippert last year, but I remember what fifth third was coming down the stretch in the AAC last year. And it was just a rocking arena. And so to, to walk in there now and to, to kind of get the sense that it's not going to be that at least for the beginning part of the year, um, is an ideal and it, it, it is tough. You know, we all, we're all in this business for those great atmospheres and those great games. Um, but at the same time, you can only control what you can control and we're in the weirdest of times. And I, I do feel like if we can collectively navigate through this and end in a good place, that 21 can be a really special year where we bring a lot of people back um, as fans and we, and we continue to have the type of success that we, that we've had. And, and so that's where I'm, I'm already starting to focus in on, um, you know, what, what 21 looks like both, both football and basketball, because that's going to be a crucial year for us. You mentioned the, the virtual tickets you were doing for football. And I know there's that next level success fund that you set up, whether good or, or bad or, or angry, what have you heard? What's the response been from the fan base, you know, from, from season ticket holders, from, from donors, things like that. For the most part, honestly, it's been very positive. And I, and I think that there's certainly disappointment, and I understand that disappointment. And I understand people that, that really think that, um, you know, we, we should be allowing fans into Nippert. I, I understand their point. Um, so I, I can see both sides there. But at the end of the day, I think that people understand that we have young people that are putting their heart and soul into this year. And we need to find ways, unique ways, creative ways to support them. And so I think that people understand that when we when we issue these types of uh, initiatives, that that's that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to show ways that we're we're trying to support these these uh, student athletes, really student athletes across the board. That's what Next Level Fund is all about, because um, we're going to have a full a full winter and full spring of sports. And we're going to need some some financial help to, to get that done, get that accomplished. John, you mentioned the shootout briefly. Uh, you've been in the college athletics game for a while. You've been around rivalries uh, at every stop. Is there something a little different about this one because it's the same city, because 
they don't particularly like each other all that much. Uh, what what was that experience really? You know, learning that that this rivalry might be a little different than the ones you've dealt with elsewhere. I think it's exactly that. I mean, I think it's it's um, how close the school two schools are together, and obviously the rich history. You know, there's there's a crosstown shootout book that I had a donor give to me right when I got got here, and um, you know, with with a lot of those things, you kind of leaf through it. And I put it on the shelf, but when we were having conversations about trying to get this keep this game going here this year, um, I pulled that book back out and was able to kind of you know really read through it. And um, it, it's amazing that the, just, just how much this means to this city and how important it is for both schools. It's, it's what makes college athletics fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. I, I agree with you. I haven't seen anything quite like this. I've been around some really good rivalries, but I have not seen it like this. So um, I'm excited. John's not a UC or Xavier guy, uh, but he is a local. Um, and he, and he does have an understanding of what this game means to the city. How much did you maybe lean on him or hear from him and, you know, the importance of the game, uh, for the city and, and, you know, for the rivalry? Yeah, a lot that we had, we had a lot of conversations about exactly that. And, um, I think his quote to me was, John, you have no idea what you're stepping into here. This is, this is a big, big deal. Uh, between these two schools and so um, he had to educate me a little bit on that and how important it was and and so you know I, I think that we we worked together well to to figure out a way to to keep this thing going um, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to this year and next year and, and the series going on I think that video he put out you know you've probably seen some of that uh, but I think for the fan base you know he's usually pretty buttoned up uh, you know outward appearance wise what, what did you think of him putting that out there and maybe giving people a little more insight into his personality as a as a coach and a competitor you know I thought he did it in a really a, a really nice way I, I really do um, I, I thought he I thought he you know identified the great games on both both sides you know if you watch the video he talks about some great Xavier wins and some great UC wins and and so I just told him I said as long as it's all it's all accurate and, and true then I'm I'm good with you putting that out but um, yeah I, I thought he did a really nice job with it. John before we let you go how how can fans get involved in the virtual sellout uh, program for the EC or for the UCU game for senior day? Yeah, we've, we've put it out on social a couple of times. We'll continue to, to put it out on social. Um, there is a link on our website as well where you can go buy um, a virtual ticket. Again, you get a commemorative uh, ticket for this season, which could be something you know down the line that, that you want to go back and say, wow, strangest year of all time, at least you know, I was <laughs> able to get this uh, commemorative piece to remember that. Uh, but you get a commemorative ticket. You get an opportunity to win, uh, to be put into some drawings and, and win some things uh, down the line pretty Pretty, really nice uh, package of, of possible um, items that you can win. So I would just encourage everybody to go online um, or watch for our, our Twitter account because we will continue to put it out. And so you can click on the link and, and uh, buy a virtual ticket that way. And I know basketball fans are, are kind of wondering, do you have any idea on uh, when the, the, the plan going forward for basketball season ticket holders will be announced? Is that going to be as soon as you can get it, everything ready, or is there a timeline yet? Yeah, so we'll be, we'll be going out uh, shortly with the ticket assurance plan, very similar to what we did in football. 
Uh, we, we just will not be able to have season tickets in basketball just with the number of season ticket holders that we have. Um, so we will have single game sales if we're, we're able to have fans. Um, and obviously we're going to try our, our best to, to um, put into place several different plans. And, and um, if we can have fans, we certainly will. And, and that way we'll just do a single ticket purchase just like we did in football. So be on the lookout for that. That'll come out um, this week, uh, probably early on this week. And so we'll go from there. All right. Thank you so much. That's John Cunningham, athletic director for the University of Cincinnati. We, we appreciate it, John. And uh, it's been great for you to take some time out of your Monday to, uh, to bring everybody up to speed. Thanks as always, guys. Thank you. Thanks, John. All right. That's going to wrap it up. He's Justin Williams from The Athletic. I'm Chad Brendel. We will see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.